Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and today I talk with Samantha Allen. She was recommended to me by my brother and sister-in-law. Some of you may remember my brother Ben from episode 8, where we told our mom's story. So Samantha's husband, Steve, has been a huge mentor to my brother Ben. My brother's family has always looked up to them, admired the Allen family and their marriage and their parenthood. So without further ado, we'll get into our combo, and I'll let Samantha introduce herself to you. So you're actually one of the first people that I've had on the show that I've not had like a real in-person conversation <laughs> You've never met before. <laughs> yeah. So my brother, Ben, who a lot of people that have heard the podcast episode we did, episode eight, about my mom's story, I invited my brother, Ben, to share. And so he was who recommended you, Samantha. Um, so I want to hear, first of all, who you are and what you do in life. Well, I am almost, I'll be turning 50 this November. All right. So that's kind of a big mile marker for me. Let's see. We live here in Nashville, Tennessee. We have been, as a family, you know, a little bit over the globe. We've been here 10 years. And me personally right now, as far as home goes, I I only homeschool one and the other are kind of all over the place. Got a couple in public high school and a few that are out of college, one in college. And so um, it's always busy and fun. So I'm mom. And then I also, my husband and I get to be part of our missions team at our church And um, we get to just empower missionaries, encourage missionaries, recruit missionaries, and which is actually a really big part of what I love to do. Yeah. And then I also just I have my own business, which is kind of a small. It's just a little part-time business, but it's an art business where I mostly uh, the art and expressive art that I do is with senior citizens in rest homes. And so cool. um, Yeah. And sometimes I go into actual homes because sometimes when couples or uh, parents are getting older, they might move in with their kids. I'll come to their home and do expressive art with them. Do you go do you go in there and you have just a different art? kind of an art project that you do with them or you teach them art or? Yes. um, I try to do all kinds of media. We do acrylic painting a lot. I bring it all myself. I I have all the supplies. I clean it up when I go. Um, So we watercolor and acrylic quite a bit uh, because they usually just love those two things. Yeah. But like I went this morning and today we made a little moss garden planter and that was an expressive. They got to design and gardening, especially in the, in the spring. Um, there's a lot of seniors that really miss that. Yeah. That is love so cool. So, I love that. We just got moss and little tiny plants and everybody made their own planter and got dirty. And yes. so all kinds of different art, you know, really sometimes we sculpt more often they love to paint and usually it's, it's really activities just connecting with color and sometimes even patterns, a lot of self-expression. Um, but I guide them through it from the front and give them freedom to do what they want. But a lot of times they want you to tell them what to do. And right. so, but as always, we always just try to make it a really joyful time. I play music and try to make it a real connecting time with each other also to where it's just a positive time positive, together. Yeah. The motto for my business is um, expression is the opposite of depression. 
Mm, cool. Senior citizens that especially that have to leave their own homes and families and go into assisted living often deal with a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they are at places where they're just starting to lose mobility or cognition. So they can't have the things they love, which is their home, usually uh, their independence and things like that. And so depression, boredom and things like that are very common. And so God's just given me such a heart. I've visited senior residences and sang and all kinds of interactions with seniors since I was a kid and just have a real heart to see their golden years, you know, be blessed, to share them with my own children. I take my youngest and she's my assistant a lot of times. She's 10. That is so cool. I love that. Oh, it's really fun. Okay. So you have six kids. Yes, I do. Okay. And ranging from 10 to how old? To 25. 25. Oh my goodness. That's such a range. (laughs) Um, so, and then you have one of your children you adopted from China. Yes. Okay. Can you tell us how that happened? Well, before my husband and I were ever married, you know, when we talked about our family that we wanted to have, we both were like, oh, and I'd love to adopt. And so we were just praying about it and felt like we wanted to have a few of our own kids first to kind of set the tone in the home before we brought in one, um, you know, that might be from, you know, you don't get to choose background or trauma or, you know, where that child's from, but wanted to have the adopted a little bit later just so that she could already come into a, a family. And so, um, yeah, our, our fourth was actually quite a traumatic birth and mm. he had, he was a preemie and so had a real rough go in the hospital, kind of a miracle, not kind of, he was a miracle baby. But during his first year of life, it was a pretty rough time, a lot of crying, a lot of just some sensory mm-hmm. problems. And so anyway, it was, it was a, it was a hard, you know, first year as far as babies. And, but during that time I thought I was pregnant again. Oh my. So we were a little freaked out <laughs> because we were having such, I think I had knee surgery and oh my. Like it was just kind of one of those seasons of just really rough. And so we were pretty overwhelmed. Uh, but we told some of our good friends and, and I was just asking the Lord at the time for the name of this child, because I was just very dismayed and um, just was asking him what was going on and what was the name. Because so as we had been having children, we realized that God, the names that he would give us when we thought to ask, mm-hmm. it seemed like the names that he would give us for our children were significant and and told us something about who they were mm, cool. and his identity for them. And so he gave me this name, Jezreel. So I was like, okay. It means God plants. And um, I read the story of Jezreel. You know, Jezreel was actually a boy, um, Hosea's son. And so anyway, a few weeks later, I don't know if I started late or what it was because it was the latest I'd ever started. um, We realized we were not pregnant. Yeah. But a year down the road, after we decided that we were ready to adopt, it was, no, it was actually more than a year. We just realized that she was actually conceived during that time. Oh, wow. So, which was really cool. That means the Lord plants. That's so cool. Right, right. And so now it's been really beautiful because I can say, Jezreel, the Lord planted you in our family mm. from your very beginning, just like Moses. It wasn't it wasn't an accident. It was something that he designed actually from the very beginning to mm. take care of you. And so um, and then you're meant to be in our family. So we didn't adopt her until she was four. She left China on her fourth birthday and she is 16 now. 
<laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So did you, when you went through the adoption process, do you mm-hmm. go through and kind of say like, we don't care, you know, boy, girl, background and then Mm -hmm. kind of check off different things yeah the agency you know we didn't we were living in Bangkok as missionaries at the time okay so we were a little lost as far as even how to get started on the process we kind of thought oh we'll just pick up a Thai kid or you know we just yeah (laughs) and because we'd had Thai girls actually live with us and had done some fostering um but on the application it has you check yes or no if you're open to special needs or not Mm -hmm. And before that time, we had never thought about it. We never talked about it, but we had to check yes or no. Mm -hmm. And we were so stumped at that because we were like, Lord, how could we, how could we say no? Mm. Because if this was our own child, you know, you don't get to pick and choose what comes from your womb. You, you receive what the Lord gives you and uh, because he's chosen this child for you. And so... Mm. And, and we, so we just took a time to, some time to pray on that question. And I think it was like two weeks. And during that time, it was amazing. The Lord just opened our eyes to all these kids around us that for some reason, I just even hadn't even seen them much before yeah. and these families. And all of a sudden my eyes were opened and I was like, wow, okay. I see that Lord. How could I, how could I, how could we say no? And so we were missionaries at the time. So we just said, Lord, we trust you that this would be a child that would not send us back home for some reason, you know, that it would right. have needs that we could take a care of here. And we lived in a pretty, in Bangkok, the healthcare is pretty good. It's kind of a hub for Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So we had pretty good medical care. And so we said yes. And the Lord just made it really clear when you get on the special needs list, it's um, you do get to have some choice, which if you don't, you know, everything's chosen for you. Right. We knew we did know we wanted a girl and we wanted a, a girl from China because our hearts were really um, for all the little girls at that time that were really being discarded because of mm. the laws for one one child birth laws in China. Okay. Yeah. So those two things we already knew. And then um, God just made it really clear when the list came one day that, that she was ours. And so. Yeah, so it was a journey. Do you mind saying, like, what is her special need? No, no, not at all. Because um, the Lord totally knew that if we knew all of it ahead of time, we probably would have said, oh, I no, can't they can't do it. Yeah. No. Uh, he's kind of sneaky that way sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, on the, on the, the sheet, it said she had congenital heart disease. So, but they didn't tell us what kind of congenital heart disease she had. And so once we chose her, there was this really big runaround. And they actually said, actually, no, you can't adopt her. She's too sick. And we've changed our minds. Mm. So then it was just a total act of the Lord. My husband's father had done work in North Korea and China. So he actually had some contacts that could get her from the orphanage to a heart hospital in Wuhan, China to actually test her and find out what exactly was wrong. So we had that done on Um, beknownst to the orphanage. They didn't know who it was actually that was doing it and found out that she only had one ventricle of her heart Mm. and that it was very serious and that she would need a really serious operation to correct it. So, and that she was blue, she'd been lacking, you know, most of the Mm. time that kind of surgery would happen at birth. Um, she was almost four. 
So, um, yeah, so I just started a long journey and, and since then she's, she's gotten that fixed. I mean, as fixed as you can get it, they, they rework things around so that the heart can still get oxygenated blood, but she has a very, uh, pretty severe intellectual disability and, um, speech disability. So communication is difficult, but she is really, really good at loving. She really mm. gets loving really well. And, um, it was funny in speech just yesterday, her teacher came to me and she said she, she gives her these prompts with two words, like I follow, you know, the leader, whatever. Yes. She said, yeah, I said, I follow and had her fill in the blank. And she said, the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I thought that's her. She knows Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, so it's hard to say she has a lot of intellectual disability when she knows Jesus so mm, well. I love that. Yeah, it's good. That's so cool. Okay, so she's your second to the youngest. Second yes. youngest, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and so can you tell me, like, what in the world? It's like parenting six kids from that age range, different needs, all of that. Like, what? how have you done it? What are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, certainly, like I said, I really, um, it really is the Lord has expanded my capacity mm. because I, I came from a family that I had one sibling. And so it wasn't at all, um, it never felt like it came naturally, you know, the, the things like chaos and things that can come with a lot, with a big family. It was more just saying yes to the Lord one at a time. But, um, I do know looking back and as, as the younger ones, especially like our one from China with special needs that, you know, sometimes I can feel really overwhelmed because she's, you know, she does have a lot of needs, Mm -hmm. but the birth order book was something that really blessed me, um, looking at my own kids because my first couple kids, you have so much time to really pour into. Yeah. And we just really did. And we prayed that as time went on that, and even when we adopted, we knew that they would have a very significant role in helping to take care of this one. And I wouldn't say this is a strategy that we, you know, decided on. It was kind of more looking back that we can see the way the Lord has worked it mm-hmm. is that by pouring into those first couple kids, they're really amazing and they have been, they have led the other kids really well. Mm, and so as so we cool. have run out of, um, you know, cause y- y- your bandwidth stays the same, even if you have more children mm-hmm. to where I finally was like, Lord, how, how do big families do this? I really feel, I feel so many times I would hear like, Oh, I could never do that because I can't handle more than, you know, two, I can't handle more than three, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I can't either. But, (laughs) you know, it seems like the Lord does really, he said that they are, the more arrows you have, the better, you know, he said that they really is blessing. And so, but I really do see that now that our older ones are strong and they're strong in the Lord and they really take a lot of initiative with the younger ones and the younger ones look up to them. Yeah. So places where we have fallen short or not had time or not had energy, you know, even when it came to babysitters, because we need a date night, we can trust our older kids, you know, but I would definitely say that that has been such a gift mm-hmm. for me since I, I have never felt like I was just Mrs. Mom and this was all just a big, you know, it came naturally for me. I've always actually felt the opposite that hmm. I was never a babysitter growing up. I was I was never one of those you look at and go, oh, she's going to be an amazing mom. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, there's just some some young girls like that. And you go, oh, you just know they're going to be such an awesome yes. mom. I was one of those. <laughs> That's so funny. I, it's actually like really encouraging for me to hear you say because I was never a kid person really before. I mean – I still wouldn't say that I'm like a kid person. I love my children, but I'm like, I don't know that like babies are my thing. <laughs> but you're right, and that the Lord just kind of does it as you need, as you need the capacity. He he gives you the capacity to do it. He really does, and he just brings you what you need to um, yeah. for it to be done. And then he also helps you go. Okay, I, I thought that I needed that, and that needed to be perfect or that way, and. I guess it really doesn't, you know, mm. to go, okay, actually what they really need is, you know, they just need a strong place. They need the word of God. They don't actually need a lot of money. They don't actually need, mm. you know what I mean? Yes. The has adjusted those things as we've gone through to say, actually, you know, they need community. They need safe place um, yes. rather than, you know, lots of stuff or whatever. Right, right. Because you definitely make sacrifices in certain areas. Right. To be able to do that. Yeah, that is – that's cool. I remember um, before I had – it was when I was pregnant with my first child, so probably about three years ago or more, and I was contemplating a do- job change, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a lot more money, <laughs> the job that I was yeah. offered. And so I was talking to – my mom wasn't – my mom had passed away a few years before that, and I was talking to one of her best friends on the phone and just telling her I need prayer because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And she was great in that she didn't tell me at all what I was supposed to do. She just emphasized like, hey, I don't know. I feel like you could you could follow the Lord, you know, either way. And she Mm -hmm. said, but what I don't want to hear you say is that if I do this job with more money, I'll be able to give my kids more. And she's like, because that's just not true. And she said, Mm -hmm. I, I... watch so many people who they give their kids a lot of stuff but the one thing that their kids are longing for and wanting and need they're not able to give because they're so busy and and that was that's not you know don't work outside the home don't whatever in fact I've worked outside the home the majority of my motherhood at, at this point but it was just a good like I still have to remember that and think, okay, yeah, what am I giving my kids? You know, what things are really going to last and really going to going to matter? And what do I right. need investing in? That's such a good word because I just, I feel like even in our Christian culture, women and mamas are made to feel like, well, you can do so much more than just be a mom, hmm. you know, because you're talented, you're strong, you're capable, you're gifted. And all of that is so true. It's so true. That's why you're going to be such an awesome mom. Mm, yeah, <laughs> right. Being a mom is really hard. and But it is a sacrifice in our culture because you're told that all your giftedness actually can get you an amazing job. And it's amazing how many times I've come to that juncture also where I could have just had a better job and made more money or had some different career things happen. And the Lord never said no. Yeah. He never told me not to. Right. It was always one of those things that I would have to go. My husband and I have, have ever since before we were got married, have tried to say, you know what? We're never going to make our decision maker money. Mm, We're never going to let money make a decision in any way, whether career, location, or anything with our kids. If money is the deciding factor, that usually means something's wrong. You know, that Mm. it's not because we're not doing it. It's because what God would say is the best, you know, which... 
you know, even the wisdom of Proverbs, a lot of times it might not be God's direct voice, but it might just be the wisdom from the Proverbs going, okay, is this the wisdom of the Lord Mm. in this decision? And so many times um, I've been so thankful those years that, especially the early years when the kids were young, that I said no to a lot of other things that made me feel like, eh, that, that would have been fun that, I, you know, mm. it would have been, it would have made me feel really good about myself. It would have made me feel more valuable. Mm. Um, but I can, I can look at my kids now because, you know, even my youngest is 10 and I feel like, you know, some of the most formative years are past that I can look back and go, wow, I am so glad I poured those into them because mm. I still have, I have the second half of my life to go do all the other stuff. But I think a lot of moms get so pressured and feel like if I don't do this now, that means I am not, I'm not capable. I'm not talented Mm -hmm. or I'm. Or you're behind. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's, I don't know. I I just really feel like all of that is still ahead of me, you know, the second Mm -hmm. half of my life. But now I get to do it with my kids. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm sure that there are also. One of the reasons my brother and his wife were like, oh, you've got to interview Samantha. They're like, they have six kids and they love the Lord and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, my, that's amazing. That sounds like every parent's dream, you know. But I know there are parents out there that either feel what you kind of address, either feel kind of crummy at it or, you know, they have older kids and they don't love the Lord or, you know, they're just feeling discouraged in their parenting for whatever reason. And what. What encouragement would you say to those parents? I would say that um, consistency is a really big deal with parenting and with family, with kids, Um, because we all have bad days. We have bad times. But when your child is looking back over a whole lifetime, you know, 18 years of being living with you and has this whole book of chapters and pages of life Mm -hmm. in your family, that's consistency. And, and it covers your, and I mean the Lord, of course, but it covers your good days and bad days to where it's not just that one quality time that you spent that one Saturday. It's actually the years of just loving, just being there, just reading God's word again, or another meal together as a family. Or I know my husband says, um, his father just passed away last month and he was talking about him and saying, you know, my dad read the word to us every morning before school. I don't really remember a specific chapter or verse or really anything other than he read the word. Mm. And so it sunk in. It wasn't like it was some amazing teaching or revelation. It was just the consistency of being in God's word and that being a, the first importance of the day. So I would just encourage encourage parents to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And then I would just encourage them to really believe God for what he says, because he really does say that children are a blessing. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we get to the end of our rope and go, but this is all I can handle, before we just say enough or we're done, I think we really need to seek the Lord at that point, because mm-hmm. that's usually the point where God, if we say yes to him, that he's allowed to come in and actually really do stuff that's way outside of our own capacity. Yeah. And so I would encourage parents to just, just as Ephesians 3.20, that God is always better than you think he is. He's always 
better than you can ask or imagine. And mm-hmm. so he's definitely going to be that for your family and for your children when you ha- when you just give it to him and say, hey, I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Um, if he said, blessed is the one who's full of these arrows, the quiver is full, that means he intends to provide everything they need, everything you need, mm-hmm. and he intends to bless you. Yeah. You know, sometimes his blessings, we, we, um, <laughs> we don't really get it how this is a blessing at the time. <laughs> yeah. You know? When there's poop on the walls. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we see our own shortcomings. Mm, um, yeah. We just can't factor God out of that whole equation. We have to really, you know, he's got to be the equation like, okay, mm. I, you know, you are the math. You are the only way this works. And you can really trust his goodness that mm-hmm. um, he wants more for your kids than you do. He loves them more than you do. Yes. And he has a better future than you could ever provide for them. And so um, yes. a lot of it to me comes down to just trusting the Lord because, and that's something that in some ways is just a choice. Some ways it can feel really hard, but really it's the easier way to do things. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> I remember yes. one time specifically with Jezreel, she, um, because of her communication and then just her heart issues, sometimes medical issues with her can get scary. And because my husband's dealing with an illness right now, a lot of the care is, is what I'm doing. And, um, one night I heard her crying upstairs and she'd been having some issues that had been scary and I was afraid. And I was mm-hmm. like, Lord, if I have to take her to the ER tonight, um, my husband can't go. I'm I'm alone, and this is on me. And God, um, I'm afraid. I don't even want to go up there to see what's wrong. Mm. And I said, God, she's yours, and you're going to have to fix this because I can't. And I, I don't even have what it takes to even walk up the stairs. Mm. But I'm going to go, and I'm going to trust you to take care of it and take care of her. And we got up there and she, um, she'd been having very strange pain that we couldn't understand. It was kind of scary. She couldn't walk. And, mm. and we just said, and I knew the peace of the Lord was there. And when I had it, she could feel it. Mm. So she calmed down and we just prayed together. And I said, we're just going to sit here and we're going to pray. And the Lord is here. And within a few minutes, she was able to go back to sleep and either the Lord miraculously healed her. I'm not even sure what actually happened, but I do know it was more of a place of me letting go rather than me trying to fix it. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And so I'm sure you're having to do that a lot with your husband, Steve's illness. Can you talk to us about what that is, how long he's had that? Um, well, he was diagnosed with ALS. We're probably going on four years now. Okay. And what is, um, what is ALS? What does it do to you? Um, right now when you get that kind of diagnosis, the doctor just says there's no, there's no cure for that. Mm -hmm. So we can support you, um, with a support group and, you know, basically what they can do is monitor you and tell you how bad you're getting or, See, mm. do you need a wheelchair or, you know, there's really not anything, not even medication that they really have to offer. They just say usually the life expectancy of ALS is five 
at the most 10 years, but that there is no Mm -hmm. cure and that there is no, even medication. The one that they offered us at the time was something that was extremely expensive, um, could prolong life for a few months and had terrible side effects. Right. So it's like quality of life. (laughs) Right. And so we knew Mm. we weren't going to be getting anything from his neurologist that was going to be helpful. Um, so we're not seeing the getting better yet. Um, and we haven't, we haven't even kept all of his doctor appointments because depending on how we're doing in our own spirits and frame of mind, the doctor appointments aren't usually encouraging. And so we kind of just check our hearts to see, is this something we can handle today or not? Um, but at the end of the day, we had to really come from a place of, this is actually not what we believe about God, that there's a not, there are some diseases out there that don't have cures because God has provided everything we need for healing. You know, Jesus has said he provides everything for healing. Hmm. Now I don't understand everything about it, but we've had to continue to go back to that truth and stand on that, whether we believe it or not. And so we really, I mean, if, if you ask us where we're standing, that's where we're standing. You know, the Mm -hmm. God's word says that hope is something that we can't see, you know, the evidence of something, um, hope is actually, that's where we stand. And so if it's hope, that means we don't see the reality yet of what we want and Mm. what we know is true. And so anyway, so I guess that's, it, it has been a really, it's been, you know, it's been the hardest thing we have ever been through as yeah. a family, um, definitely. And so does it, does AL, so I don't know much about ALS. Can you, can you explain yeah. what it does? Sure. Sure. Well, he it started with a drop foot that he realized okay. he was dragging his foot and not able to extend it properly and mm-hmm. some wasting in his muscle in his leg. Um, but mm-hmm. since then, you know, his muscles have continued to waste. And so he's lost, you know, so much muscle mass in his legs mm-hmm. and now his arms, mm-hmm. his back, you can see he's, yeah. he's in a wheelchair now. He can't, one thing that's so difficult about it is it's a very slow digression. And so he mm-hmm. has very gradually lost, you know, the use of his legs and, um, now it's his arms. So he can still, Mm. you know, get in and out of the chair himself. He can still feed himself at this point, his face and his lungs, his, uh, those muscles have not been affected. So with a typical ALS, you lose your voice and you lose your breathing capacity, your lung capacity. Mm. Um, but right now he's doing really well with those. So yeah, good. He, you know, he'll get frustrated because all of that's working great. He just can't make his arm pick up what he wants to get picked yes. up. Yes. Oh my! I'm sure this is so. just so frustrating because his mental capacity is the same. Right. Yeah. So he's having to sit there knowing, you know, what he's not able to do anymore. Right. And so he's relying a lot on other people, which is very humbling. Yeah. It's very humbling to go out. It's been a difficult journey, even just with work, because it's so, he's lost so much function. And so Mm, it's hard to keep working full time. 
So he works from home part of the time and goes in, you know, to the office three times a week. So what has parenting, I'm sure that like time maybe feels more precious now with your kids um, all together. What what has that like been like since his diagnosis? You know, I really, I've really prayed about that. I've just, I think as a family, we have always pretty much lived a carpe diem, seize the day kind of life. We've always, ever since he and I were dating, that's kind of how we've lived. And so there hasn't been this, oh, we need to do this one last thing or that really just doesn't even cross my mind. And every once in a while yeah. I go, because I really do believe that he is going to be healed. And yeah. I go, Lord, should I, do we need to go take this bucket list trip or something? And I just haven't felt, um, haven't felt that. And we are definitely in a place where the whole family is really supporting each other a lot. Yeah. Now that the older boys have come home for some of the summer, where they take turns helping him get dressed in the morning, taking him to work, taking him to his therapies and things like that. And so, um, and it it reminds me of one of those times of being thankful for all of them because they all in their own way are now being a, such a blessing, you know, Mm. everybody is pitching in and doing more and serving. Okay. So speaking of her kids being a blessing, I have a little surprise for Samantha because I want you to hear what a blessing these kids are and hear them blessing their own mama. So I'll start with their oldest son, Michael, and we'll just go from there. Mom, I appreciate how you truly embody a Philippians 2 mindset of considering others even above yourself and having interests of others in mind. And you have truly embodied what it looks like to be a servant leader, uh, not just in front of other people, but day in and day out in the context of even just our own home and family where so many others do not see. You truly serve your family without complaining and are such an example to each one of us kids even. You always take care of us and you always, whenever you start something, you want to get it done and finish it. Mama, you are a hard worker and when you see something that needs to be done, you take care of it and you stand up for what's right and you really take care of others when they need it. Samantha Allen is an incredible woman of God more than anyone I know. She embodies Proverbs 31 as cheesy as it sounds. She's up before everyone else spending time with the Lord, making breakfast, praying for her kids, and she's up late into the night working on her art business. She is an incredibly gifted and talented woman, and in the midst of all the hardship of terminal illnesses in the family, of financial woes coming through. Mom has always been one who has thrust our family into the heart of God and has walked with such resilience. She truly is Wonder Woman. She is someone who does, wakes up to face the impossible every day with faith and with hope and with love and kindness for our family. And so I have nothing but good things to say about our mom. She is absolutely incredible. And I'm so, so honored to be called her son. Always open with me or may I help you. And that last one was sweet Jezreel. So we're going to talk more about some highs and lows of marriage with Samantha. But first, I want to take a minute to just say thank you because you have been listening and you've rated and reviewed this show on iTunes. 
I love reading every single one. You guys, it really keeps me going to hear from you there and on social media, on Instagram, at Kara Dawn Z. That's K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z. I love hearing from you guys. If you haven't taken a minute to leave a rating and review, please do that. It really does help other women to find the show. So pause the show and go to iTunes and write a review, unless you're driving, because safety first. Um, You can also now help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash headed someplace. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash headed someplace. How old were you you guys when you got married? Uh, We were such kids. I was 21. (laughs) Looking at our own kids that are not anywhere near that, um, I realized I guess we were just really young. We were 21. That's so cool, though. You've been together... I guess, 30 years then now? Yeah, almost? yeah. Uh, December will be 30. Wow. It's so crazy for me to think about being married like longer than I was not married. Right. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. What, have been, what have been some of the great things and the hard things about marriage? What have you learned through marriage to Steve? Um, I, I love that word and thinking about parenting and kids, that passage out of Second Kings 13, when Elisha is going to King Jehoash, I think is his name. Anyway, he's going against Aram, and first he tells him to, to release his arrow to defeat this army, and then he tells him to tap his arrows on the ground, and then Elisha gets all mad because he taps it three times, and Elisha was like, you should have tapped it. You know, you should have just kept tapping arrows. <laughs> you know, you kind, of, kind of feel sorry for the king. Like, well, you didn't tell him how many times to tap it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I think it's because, you know, he just was so dismayed at his lack of faith, you know, that he mm. was just, you know, kind of wimpy, like, okay, and three times. And I, I think when it gets down to that, striking the arrows, what Elisha was looking for is just a heart that trusted the Lord that he had something really great, you know, and that he wanted to partner with it. Mm-hmm. And it has been so exciting to live with my best friend like that because mm-hmm. um, Steve really, he that's just the kind of person he is, is that not to do anything small. Um, mm-hmm. We've always tried to live that way, you know, to strike your arrows. You know, you just keep on really thanking everything on the goodness of God. And so mm-hmm. going to Thailand as missionaries and And making the decisions that we have even as a family of always trying to take a risk and trust in God's goodness that's bigger than we can see um, has been such a gift to having a partner, a life partner, because I think I would have been so unhappy Mm. without a partner to do that with, to encourage me in it. And, you know, if I had some crazy idea or was feeling led to go do something, he's never the one to go, oh, but wait a minute. Yeah, pull it, rein you in. Right. Right. It's so not that way. And I guess that's one thing that's awesome about being married is to have a friend like that all the time. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. That's so cool. So you have six kids, but I know that you also lost a baby. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when when was that in in the lineup? Um, Yeah. As far as thinking about some of the really hardest, hardest times, um, even in our marriage, that would probably be for me, you know, one of the hardest ones. It was after our first child and he was only 10 months old when we realized we were pregnant again. It wasn't planned and ended up being a very difficult pregnancy. And she was born very early, so she didn't live very long. Um, so yeah, so I was 
I don't know. Let's see. She would have been 24. So that was 24 years ago. We were on the mission field when it happened. And um, it was my first experience of grieving. Mm. And I just never, it was a little bit like being a mom. I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how how do you grieve? What's normal? Um, It was, I felt really at the mercy of just a lot of emotions. It was really hard on our marriage. Yeah. Um, because I'd had a difficult pregnancy. I was in bed at the end. It was very scary because I had some hemorrhaging and bleeding. Mm. Uh, her name was Bethany. After she died, he was really ready. He was thankful that I was well. And we had our first child. He was just one and ready to move on. And I was just beginning grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that whole year was really rough. I was always so thankful for his father who he was also a missionary, had been a missionary because I was just, I was trying to just kind of toughen up and, you know, trying to be okay. And, um, he said, well, maybe you just need to come home for a while and maybe the both of you need to come together and just take some time and yeah. And just heal. Yeah. And I was like, really? I could do that? Mm, Okay. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah. And he was just very, he just gave us permission, which I think Mm -hmm. I was trying to be a really good missionary and a good wife and move on. But I I just, I couldn't, like, I just, I was trying and I just, you know, I was just crying all day, every day. I didn't feel like I could, I was good for much. Yeah. But going back home and just spending time, we had a memorial for her and we got some marriage counseling. Mm, so good. Um, I just took some time to slow down and walk through it. Was it was just one of those things that I'll never forget because even though it was super hard, we took the time to actually walk through it rather than mm-hmm. around it or push it behind us. Yes. And I remember during that time, my husband was invited by a friend to go mountain climbing in Nepal. Like it was kind of his dream and (laughs) it was a dream trip. And Mm -hmm. in my heart, I just, I just, I just couldn't bear for him to go. It was a really bad time for me and with Mm -hmm. our baby and that we already had. And, um, and I asked him not to go, which was really hard for me to even ask him. Because yeah. I never wanted to, you know, I just always wanted to be the one to release and bless. And, yes. Um, but in my heart, I just knew I just couldn't. I just, I wanted to be strong, but I wasn't. I was really yes, weak at the time yes. and needy. And, and so anyway, I asked him not to go and he didn't go. And um, that's one of those things. If, you know, when people ask us about our marriage, I said, you know, sometimes marriage is like a love bank and, you know, you put in deposits as time goes by and then you also take out withdrawals. And that Mm -hmm. was one of the biggest deposits that I'll just never forget because, you know, it was Mm -hmm. a sacrifice that he made for me. And then God totally opened up another time for him to go and it was amazing. And he's been more than once. But um, to me, it said, you know what? this is worth it. We're going to stop everything right now and get through this together. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And I'm always so encouraged to hear people, like you said, his dad was a a missionary too. And I'm so encouraged by people in ministry, giving other people in ministry space and time to like heal and grieve. And I like, 
anytime I hear of a worship leader saying, hey, I'm going to take a little time off. I need to get better with some things or a, or a pastor doing that. Or I'm always like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for doing that and not just keeping going, not tending to your own soul, you know? Right. Yeah. So, oh, I'm so glad that his dad kind of gave you that permission. Yes, I am too. I am too, because there was a veteran missionary that was there at the time, and she had lost twins a long time ago, mm-hmm. full term, and, you know, just devastating. And mm-hmm. so I kind of reached out to this person thinking maybe she could help me get through this. And mm-hmm. and then they said, actually, she never even went home. She never, I don't think they ever had a service or anything. And, and I was like, Oh, Oh, it was just, you know, they were just forgotten and it was kind of stuffed and it just didn't seem like the way God intends for us to walk through pain. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I just had, um, a lady named Janet on the podcast and she was talking about that very thing also of that's not the way I don't think Jesus intended because he knew he was going to heal, raise Lazarus from the dead and he still like mm-hmm. wept. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. and and I love that. I feel like we would have um, such healthier churches and organizations if we would be good at giving each other space to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So yes. did you say your um, her name was Bethany? That you lost, your baby that Mm -hmm. you lost. So do you now, 24 years later, do you still think like, oh, what would she look like? What would she be like? Oh, I do. I do. You know, I've had a few miscarriages also, but, Mm. you know, I got to hold her and um, my husband, I never saw her alive. My husband went and, you know, was with her while she was, she was breathing. And Mm. one thing that was, it was really difficult at the time was that the, the team that we were a part of, you know, one of my friends and I were pregnant together. And so she went on to have a healthy baby, you Mm -hmm. know, at the same age. And so whenever I see her, you know, her child, you know, which at first it was just, it was just compounded my grief because I was jealous. I was so sad missing my own here. She had this beautiful, healthy baby. Mm -hmm. Um, but now, you know, I see her daughter. I mean, I love her daughter. Um, and now I see her and go, wow, yeah, she would have been like this. She would have been this age. Mm-hmm. Who knows what she would have been doing. But I, I do, I think of her every year on her birthday. And mm-hmm. I just, I buy myself, a, I used to kind of wait for my husband or others to remember. And I finally just started buying myself flowers every birthday. Oh, that's such a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> That's a great lesson to us wives. <laughs> Sometimes people remember, usually, you know, especially now it's been 24 years. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they don't. That's so, um, I, I, but, I love that though, because you're not like putting pressure on everybody else. You're just like, you know what? We're going to celebrate her and I'm going to do it if I'm, the, if I'm the only one that remembers. Right, which I do, which was really sweet. Her birthday was, was in March and her and my husband's father passed. Like mm. we thought it was going to be on her birthday. Day. It was actually that it turned out to be the next day. Mm. Um, but we just brought flowers and remembered, you know, and, and cried and just knew they were going to be together in yeah, heaven. Like yeah. he got to meet his first grandbaby. Mm. So, um, yeah, so just try, I just, I do, I just celebrate her life because it was, it was worth celebrating. Sweet. That's so cool. Okay, so before I get to the last question that I ask every guest, I had to ask Samantha about a family rhythm I know that they practice and a value that they have regarding rest. 
the Allen family, Samantha's family, and my brother, who introduced me to Samantha for this podcast, they've done some mission work together in the past in Israel. So doing that, they observe the way that traditional Jewish culture really values the Sabbath or a day of rest. Many of you remember in the old law, God says to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So I asked Samantha to share about how they honor the Sabbath or Shabbat and celebrate as a family, which traditionally begins at sundown on Friday night and then goes through Saturday. You know, I always cook. I mean, because not every night to cook during the week, but that night. I cook mm-hmm. and, um, and I clean the house and, yes. <laughs> and so the kids yeah. always know that that's a day that we're going to have a stable set and we're going to have communion together and Steve blesses all the children and he blesses mm-hmm. me and we all bless him. When you say blesses them, what do you mean? It's just a prayer of mm-hmm. blessing. Okay. You know, for us, we just bless each other, whatever we prophesy over each other, whatever's yes. going on. Cool. We just, you know, speak life over each other, mm. and then we all will turn and, and everyone together bless the Father and to bless Steve. Um, but it's always either some kind of we we just see how the rhythm has been. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's game night, sometimes it's maybe night, but we always will eat together and have communion together. Um, you know, and I will I will cook, and a lot of times we have people over. Yeah, and it's all just depending on you know how tired are we because sometimes at by Friday we're really wiped out from the school week. And sometimes I just go, I can't this week. We're just going to be our family. And so it's all, you know, but we always, we do always pray and we always have communion. And and with the kids, we ask them, you know, especially like high school, please be there. But we never said you have to, Yes. you know, teenagers, a lot of times they want to go out and we're like, you know, we'll be done by eight. If you could even just be there for dinner Yes. and you with your friends after. Um, it is a real anchor, I feel like. they, You know, for Jewish culture, they say that's one reason that Jewish cultures, their families are such an anchor in mm. their culture, which really fosters the identity of Jewish kids, hearing the life spoken from their father every week, at least, you know, the once a week. But anyway, and then the Jews, they don't even know how much when they do that, that they're prophesying, you know, the blood of Jesus and the mm. body of Jesus and breaking it. Mm. And the wife always starts the evening by lighting the Shabbat candles, the Sabbath candles, Mm -hmm. which really invites the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I love all that symbolism and tradition. And then, so I know you're really intentional too about resting on Saturdays. Oh, it's just, it's my favorite day of the week. And I just, I can't imagine, I've been doing it long enough that it's just, it's such a rhythm that if it doesn't happen, I just feel I've really missed out and I feel it's hard to make it through the next week to follow, but we're really, I'm just very intentional about resting on Saturdays. And so even with, um, you know, the amount of kids that we have, all that's when all the sports activities are and <laughs> yeah, it's um, like good luck. Games and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've really, you know, I get to know myself a little bit and know what is rest and what is life to me. Mm. So it's one day that we sleep in that we go slow. I try to stay in my pajamas mm-hmm. and there's always people that want to make you feel guilty for it or yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah. pressure on what are you still doing in your pajamas? Yeah. <laughs> but 
I've really, so I've really tried to guard it. And I just, for the first thing, it just honors the Lord. But I've seen so much blessing in myself, especially as a mom and a wife, because I just sit around, I get to read and I think, I take a bath. Mm. That's when some of my most treasured communication with the Lord comes. My best ideas come, you know, during times of rest. And um, so it's, I really have to really guard it. But, you know, Hebrews said that we strive to enter his rest. And I feel like that's what he's talking about, that it is, it's a struggle. Mm. You know, there's been times that I don't go to my kid's soccer game Mm -hmm. and other parents do. And I feel like a bad mom because I didn't go to his soccer game. Mm. But I also feel like I'm starting the week fresh. I feel like I've honored the Lord. I feel like I can be a better mom. Um, Right. So anyway, I could just go on and on about the Sabbath because it's just so beautiful and life-giving to me. And I do think it's just a special invitation that the Lord gives us on the Sabbath to say, hey, I've set a table here and I'm inviting you in a special way to come join me. Yeah. So we can say yes or no. We can say I'm busy, but we'll be the ones that will miss out. Mm, In the end, it's just a blessing for us. We can always trust when the Lord says something like that, it's because he has a blessing in it for us. It's not Mm. like it's something he needs, you know, (laughs) he's he's a good father and he knows that we're going to enjoy it so much. Mm. So it's never anything like he's doing this just as some rules to keep that the blessing really is going to be for us. So the last question I ask every guest is, if you could go back in time five or ten years and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Let's see. I think it would be to trust more in God's goodness. Always growing up, I think I probably underestimated it. And I always kind of would see things that would happen or circumstances in life as probably either judgments or like even when we lost a baby for, Mm. oh, I went on and on and on saying, God, what did I do? Mm. Am I being punished? What did I do wrong? And just the fact that I asked all those questions and agonized over them, you know, I can look back now and go tells me that I just, I really was not seeing God's goodness and his, where he was in the whole picture. Mm, I was wondering if he was judging me or um, things that let me know that actually some of my views about God were not right. And Mm. I was really underestimating his kindness and his love and his mercy. And Mm. so I think I would probably tell myself not to do that, to keep trusting that his goodness is so much better than I've thought about. So if I haven't even, you know, I can think about a lot of things. And so if if I haven't even thought about how good he really is and I can't even do that, then right. that's really good. Yeah. So, so true. I can really trust, you know, so I can just trust in it. Like I yes. can take that to the bank. Yes. I can trust my future. I can trust my kids. I can trust just my day, my mood or whatever, because he's so much better. Yes. And I think even if I could have told myself a while back, it just brings a lot of rest and peace when you know that, you yeah. know, you can just walk in so much peace because you're not afraid, you know, the perfect love casts out fear. So you're not afraid. Mm-hmm. You're not always looking around feeling like you've disappointed the Lord or mm-hmm. you realize actually he's just so happy to be with me. It's just mm-hmm. who he is. I've just really underestimated him a lot. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think I would just remind myself too of even in the face of 
really difficult illness because with Jezreel, they've told us, um, our daughter from China, that, mm -hmm. you know, some of her issues could be life-threatening with her heart right now. And um, I think I've just really thought, you know, the legacy that we leave is, is so paramount right now. It's mm -hmm. more paramount than what kind of house we have or car we drive or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, looking to the next generation and what we're able to pour in. And it helps me get off my rear sometimes too. Cause mm -hmm. I just, you know, I, I just, I sit down at the end of the day to maybe to just, I don't know, watch TV or something. And I go, wait a minute, our time is short. You know, mm -hmm. it's so short. Is this really mm -hmm. what I want to be doing with it? Yeah. Not that it, it's void of rest. Cause I'm a firm believer in doing what you do in the context of rest, yeah. but also knowing that we are runners. We have, we've been given a short amount of time and mm -hmm. want to make the most of it. I love that. Did you say we are runners? Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Okay. I have one more surprise today for Samantha. So I'm going to end the show a little bit differently. We're going to hear from Samantha's husband, Steve, in just a minute. But first, I wanted to let you know that everything we talk about today is up on headedsomeplace.com. There's also photos of Samantha's family, links to the music that she's listening to right now, and to some of the most influential books that she's ever read. You'll definitely want to check those out. So special thanks today for music from thelightparademusic.com and Frontline Music, produced by Dustin Raglan. Thank you for listening. Share this show with someone that you know who would be encouraged by Samantha's story, and I do hope today that you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged. I am so in love with my wife. She is amazing. She is a Proverbs 31 uh, godly, beautiful wife. She is such a, an amazing uh, woman of faith and a warrior woman. She loves the Lord with all her heart and soul, mind, and strength. We were in Thailand 16 years. And our longevity, I owe a lot to my wife because of her tenacity. Uh, she loved the poor, the marginalized, the downtrodden. We ended up adopting a special needs child from China, and Sam is her advocate. And uh, we've seen amazing miracles in Jezreel's life. But I attribute uh, Jezzy's uh, life today because of the tenacity of Samantha and her love uh, for Jezreel. And, love for the Lord and, and serving Jezreel and, and uh, opening a way for her to be a part of our family. The last thing I just wanted to say is I was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, in August of 2015. My symptoms started a year before, so I'm four years into this health journey. And uh, as you know, there is no medical cure and the life expectancy is three to five years. Uh, my wife has stood be beside me the whole time and she has had faith for my healing on days that I didn't. Just in the last eight to 12 months, um, I really feel like that the Lord has given me a faith like Abraham to believe for uh, a miracle, to believe as it says in Romans 4, 17 through 22, uh, to believe for the unseen. Against all hope, Abraham uh, in hope believed that God would do what he had promised. And I just wanted to give a shout out and and affirm the tenacity and the faith of my wife for my being here today uh, because of her faithfulness, her prayers, her standing beside me when it hasn't been easy. Um, I really uh, am so grateful for God uh, bringing me my best friend, uh, my lover, my confidant, my partner in ministry. And so it's my privilege and honor to uh, honor my wife today 
She uh, has been such a blessing to so many. I'm grateful for her. Thank you for the opportunity to share a couple of things of why I love Samantha Allen.